All right, this might end up being the most challenging message I ever preach for several reasons. One of which is this. That smell is coming in from downstairs. And I don't know how to compete with kinders. I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, thankfully, God's word is bigger than that. <laughs> and tastes better than that. However, uh, we're going uh, to be trying to you know, make sure that we are able to give thanks to God. And I, was, I was reminded of that last night. Um, there was a, a kind of a special event for Janet and myself. We celebrated our 28th anniversary yesterday. And so we have praise God. If you know both of us, you already know that I married up. It's true. I admit it. Um, but um, in, in that, we, were, we, were, we celebrated by, by going to a concert. So we went and saw Carrie Underwood last night at the Chase Center. And it was a great, great concert. Great concert. I keep telling everybody, basically, there is now no roof on the Chase Center. It's gone. Because Carrie just blew it right off the top there. But uh, you ever go to a concert? This is what happened last night. We're, we're sitting there in our seats. We're you know, excited to be there. It's great. And there's someone sitting behind us, okay? And this guy was just like a griper. He was griping the whole time. And I'm just kind of like, really, dude? Like, come on. We're just... He didn't like the lighting. He didn't like the pre-thing, you know, with some of the music that was being played. And then, and then him and the person he's with, they're just talking about, you know, and it's just this whole, just like, you know, the whole time. And so I start praying, Lord, please remove him. <laughs> now, please know, God knew what I meant. I didn't mean like, you know, remove him, like erase him from existence. <laughs> you know, some bolt from heaven. No, believe me, my prayers are not that powerful anyway, but th- that wasn't what I meant. You know, I was just sort of like, I just, you know, we just became, we just want to enjoy this. And, you know, there's that gripiness. Well, get this, as soon as she went into how great thou art, that guy was gone. <laughs> he left. <laughs> he was gone. And I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. That was, you know, and, but then I started thinking about it. I'm like, Lord, this guy needs help, you know? And so I actually found myself later just praying for him, praying for him, praying for her. And then I realized something else. That gripiness, you know what, Chris? You're like that sometimes too. And I think if we're all honest, we have to say, you know what? We all wrestle with that, don't we? We get grumbly. We get gripey. You know, this isn't going our way. I mean, you know, Thanksgiving Day. How often have you been there before, right? You're preparing something for Thanksgiving. Now the turkey. It didn't turn out. You know, crazy Uncle Joe's coming over. Do we have to invite him? Yeah, we do, right? I mean, there's, 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 just, there's all these different tensions, different things that happen, and we, we lose sight of being thankful. And so that's one of the reasons why I love this time of year. I love that we stop and go, hey, let's give thanks to God. And, and interestingly enough, we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians today, and thanksgiving is very much a theme throughout this book. Uh, Paul, when he talks about Jesus' resurrection from the dead in, the, in a few chapters from now, he's going to proclaim, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But before we even get to that point, in the section we're in now, in, in chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is confronting the church because of their misuse of spiritual gifts. And in that, he's also confronting them for giving thanks during the time assembled, but for giving thanks in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. 
He's essentially, they're, they're there, some are there in the midst of the assembly proclaiming thanksgiving to God. Some even doing so using the gift of tongues. So speaking in a language they've never learned before. And they're just proclaiming thanks to God. And yet, he says this, you're giving thanks, that's well enough. But you're not doing so that the, so that the other person there with you is edified or built up. In other words, in the Corinthian church, the gifts were valued not for the purpose of building up others with thanksgiving to God, but instead for the purpose of puffing up themselves for the sake of pride. And so the use of spiritual gifts, when it's done in accordance with how God's revealed in his word, it causes a building up of one another and it causes there to be a thanksgiving that abounds to God and that builds up those around us. And so we want to continue in this study and we want to even think along the lines of how can we make sure we are using the gifts God's given the church for his purposes and that we too together would resound in thanksgiving to him so if you would go ahead and open to first Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 we've we began launching into this several weeks ago now and when we first came into this portion of scripture we we saw that the reality is All who receive Christ by faith receive spiritual gifts from God. Everyone who does that. So if you're here today and you've not received Christ by faith, we would just urge you to do that today. The the testimonies we heard earlier in baptism uh, were so beautifully stated. But that's, that's all of us who have come to Christ have reached the point of understanding we're sinners. We dishonor God in the things that we say and the things that we do. And we need to turn to him for forgiveness of our sins. And thankfully, God rescues desperate sinners like you and me. He does that. He sent Christ to live the life we could never live, to die the death that each of us deserves. And he calls all people everywhere to turn to him and to trust him. And in doing so, they receive a gift, the gift of eternal life. That's the main gift, the gift of eternal life in Jesus When that happens, though, something else transpires in that life of that person. They then receive gifts from the the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who brought them from death to life. They receive gifts to serve God and to serve others. And so here in Corinth, what was happening is there was one gift that was highlighted above all the others, it seems, and that gift was the gift of tongues. And they were basically saying, if you're really spiritual, you're going to speak in the gift of tongues. You might be going, what is that? Well, that was uh, something that happened at Pentecost when the church was founded. In Acts 2, we find that uh, those who received the gift of tongues spoke in languages they had never learned before. And at that gathering point, at that time, there were people from all kinds of different uh, ethnic groups and and, and languages and dialects. And, And what happened was those that received the gift of tongues spoke in such a way that these others who were all gathered together in this one place for Pentecost realized, whoa, he's speaking not only in my language, this person's speaking in my dialect, and they received Christ. And so that gift was then used throughout the New Testament era as a demonstration that God's grace has come and calling others to believe. It was a sign gift pointing to the messengers who were bringing the gift of the gospel to others. So anyway, in Corinth, it seems, uh, that particular gift was the one that was kind of like the, the, the benchmark. If you're really spiritual, that's what you're going to have. And so Paul is going through in chapters 12 through 14, and he's, he's highlighting very, very important truths to them about spiritual gifts. Uh, he, he first of all would say that because all spiritual gifts are from God, we need to learn several things. We need to learn to discern 
how they're, how they're given, what they are, how they're to be used. Um, and then he also goes on to say, we've got to remember who the gifts are from. They're from him. They're from God. They're not some things that we muster up on our own. They're gifts. They're given by his grace. And also we need to remember what gifts are for. And those gifts, what are they for? They're to build up one another and to give glory to God. They are for the, the common good, as he says in verse 7. So what we've been doing over the past several weeks is we kind of backed off and, and kind of like the way you would zoom out on Google Earth when you're in that one address and you kind of go off to the neighborhood and then the state and then the country and then you can see the whole planet if you want to. We're backing off to see the entire frame that the New Testament would give of spiritual gifts, what they are and how they, how they work. And so as we've done this over the past several weeks, we saw that there were basically four general categories that we, we placed the gifts in. Uh, one would be revelatory gifts. The other would be sign gifts. The other would be speaking gifts. And then the last would be supporting gifts. And so several weeks back, we began and we looked at the revelatory gifts and the sign gifts. And I don't want to take too much time to review all of those. If you want to find out more about them, I'd encourage you to listen to the previous week's messages uh, because they're all contained there. But essentially, apostle is, is, uh, are, are those who are eyewitnesses of Jesus' earthly ministry. They had a personal witness of the resurrection of Jesus. And they were directly appointed by Jesus himself to speak uh, and to teach and to establish the church, uh, they spoke revelation from God directly. Uh, and many of, of, uh, what they, many of the things that they said and spoke are actually captured in Scripture for us. Uh, but they were, their authority was unique, and God used them to bring divine revelation. Prophet, uh, those would be uh, men and women given, again, a gift by God to share direct revelation like the apostles. Uh, from God. The Bible tells us that they had insights into the mysteries of God. That's what the book of Ephesians does in describing the, the gift of prophet. They would give a near prophecy that would be fulfilled so that they would have the credibility in the eyes of those that received their ministry to prophesy and give direct revelation of God on other things. And, uh, and so it was a, a a place in which we see the New Testament describing them as part of the foundation, apostles and prophets with Christ the cornerstone. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2. So the whole building is now being built upon that foundation. Uh, One thing we we noted was that for for today, because of the purpose of apostle and the purpose of prophet, they were designed for the founding of the church in the first century, uh, that we don't see that as being a part of the normative Christian experience for today. Uh, because of how God designed those gifts. Uh, we then went on to talk about the sign gifts. And, and there were several. There, was, there were healings. That, that's the, the power to have um, maladies of the body uh, cured. Physical healings. There was a wide variety of them. It's referred to in the plural in that there were many different types of illnesses that were healed um, by those who had that gift. And miracles. This would be when... Uh, when the laws of nature were violated, changed, twisted, turned by the one who set those laws of nature in place uh, for a purpose. And so miracles, signs, and wonders were attributed to Jesus, and they were also attributed to the apostles. And we saw that primarily we saw these things associated with the apostles themselves. Uh, we then also saw that the gift of, of tongues, and as I've just mentioned, those were known languages, never uh, learned by the people speaking them. And they would just spontaneously begin speaking in in a language they had not learned. And, uh, and again, it was a sign to those who had not come to faith yet that they should turn to Christ. 
And then the, the other gift that we talked about last week was the interpretation of tongues. And Paul, we're going to see this in the weeks ahead. But as uh, Paul would tell the Corinthian church, if someone has the gift of tongues and they're speaking in the assembly, make sure someone else has the gift of interpretation so people can hear what's being said. Why? Because the purpose of the gift is to build up others. It's not just there to show off. Look what I could do. And, and again, you could imagine for someone who's there and maybe all of a sudden a brand new language is they're given the ability to speak that. They're going, does someone have the gift of interpretation? Because if they don't, I'm not supposed to say anything right now. And that would be hard. That would take a lot of self-control and, and humility. But the purpose was to build up one another. And, and so we saw that uh, last week. So now we're moving ahead. Uh, we're moving on. Oh, the other thing we would say is about the sign gifts as well is that they are also not normative for Christian experience. The point of those gifts was to attest to the messengers who were establishing the church. And, um, and again, if you want to find out more about that, I would encourage you to listen to the previous weeks that we spent on that. But now we can come to the speaking gifts. And the first one we want to talk about is the gift of evangelist. And really, what is this gift? This is the ability for someone to persuade lost people to put their trust in Jesus. It's a beautiful gift. It's, an, it's a critical gift. And, and we see it happen in several places in the New Testament. Um, maybe you'll recall, uh, if you've spent any time in the book of Acts before, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to read the book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 8, there's a, one, of the, one of the apostles, Philip, is... is, is uh, told to, to go down to a certain road and to meet a certain man. It was a, a, an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a, someone who's probably part of the royal uh, entourage of that country, who was probably serving in some sort of capacity of maybe as a diplomat or something else. And so what happens is Philip ends up being there uh, with him and, and ends up sharing Christ with him. As a matter of fact, this, this guy, the, this Ethiopian eunuch, he's actually reading a portion of Isaiah, and he's going, who is this talking about? And Philip goes right into sharing Jesus with him. And, and, the, and this, this man, he receives Christ, and, he's, and he goes, there's a river. What's stopping us from being baptized? And so he brings him down into the river, and, and, and they, they are ba- he's baptized there. And so we would see that that's just, again, it's a, such a powerful thing. And, and the reality is, is that gift is very much at play and present today. So that means that there are people gathered in our church from week to week who have this gift. Now here's one of my main concerns about the gift of evangelism. It could apply to all of them, but it seems like especially this one. I believe that there are brothers and sisters who have this gift that have no idea they have this gift because they have not had a conversation with someone to try to help them understand their need for Jesus. They've never tried it. They have this gift that's just latently sitting there and they've never directed a conversation towards that. And, and, and why is that? Well, let's face it. Just because you have the gift doesn't mean all fear goes away. I mean, people use their gifts and, and, and nonetheless it requires faith and courage. And, uh, and so it's possible that many Christians have this gift but never know it because they have not tried to win a lost person to Jesus before. And, and you would think, well, maybe I'm just not like that. You know, I'm, I'm not an outgoing person. I'm not an extrovert. You know what's beautiful about this gift? And I've seen this. It's not always to someone who's naturally extroverted. It's not always to uh, a brother or sister who likes to talk to people. I, I've seen people who are actually introverts. They're not that way. But you know what? In that moment, when there's an opening for a conversation to talk about God and the things of God with someone else in a very just sort of natural way, they're there. And when they share, guess what? 
it's, it's one of those things where the lights go on for the person they're talking with. Um, you know, there, 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 there's someone, she was, she was really, really good, uh, very successful in the financial sector as a business person. And, uh, but she also uh, was someone who, who would love to talk about Jesus. And so whenever she'd go to the pool at her apartment complex, she would just strike up a conversation with whoever sat down next to her. And, and she would try to talk about God and the things of God with them. And, and pretty soon they'd become friends. And then pretty soon there's conversations happening about Jesus. And uh, it's not the kind of thing where you have, you know, this memorized, okay, hold still. I've got this thing I memorized. I'm going to lay it on you right now. You know, that's not it. And it's also not this. Hold still. All right. I think if I swing really hard, I can hit you just right. I mean, that, that's not it. No, it's, it's a friendship. And there's an openness to talk about God and the things of God. Uh, and, and there's a desire then to, to see someone else come to faith. Now, others of us do not have this gift. That does not in any way relieve the responsibility that we have to share Jesus with other people uh, or the fruitfulness that God will bring about as we faithfully pursue him in that way. Uh, so we want to make sure that we, we understand those all of us, uh, whether we have the gift or not, we are called to do the, gift, do the work of an evangelist. Um, but, but, but how exciting is it to actually see that happen and to watch people use their gifts in that way when it is present? So do you have that gift? Well, there's one way to find out. Yeah, yeah I see the nervous chuckle. It's like, okay, uh, yeah, there is one way to find out. You can talk to someone about the Lord. It might be as simple as this. Hey, do you believe in God? Once you ask that question, you're in. And then, by the way, when you ask that question, they might look at you and go, so, the Niners, what do you think? They've been pretty good lately. All right, realize this. That was a decision they just made. That's okay. You're not going to, you know, I've said this many times. We're not, we're not elevator sa- or, or um, vacuum salespeople, right? We're not going to stick our foot in the door. Hey, well, hold on. I just asked you a question. No, okay, let it go. It's all right. Maybe it'll come up another time. Maybe you can bring it up again. But it just might be that they might say to you something like, you know what? I was thinking about that lately. Or maybe it's, you know what? I used to, but then something happened in my life and now I don't really know. You can get all kinds of responses. That's a great question to ask. Um, Well, let's move on to the next gift. And that would be the gift of exhortation. We find that in in Romans chapter 16. There's a a list there. And um, and, and this this gift is such a... I'm sorry, it's Romans 12. We find Romans 12, uh, verse 7. But this gift is one of those gifts that has a way of urging other people. There's an element of persuasion with this gift, but there's also an element of of instruction with this gift. I think... uh, I think we would see it uh, in, in, uh, in the book of Acts early on with, with the, uh, Priscilla and Aquila speaking to Apollos. So Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife, they both talked to Apollos and said, hey, you're a really good preacher, because he was. He was a fantastic preacher. But we think you need to understand some more things about Jesus and about the gospel, and so we're going to lay that on you. And they helped him in that. Um, and, and it seems like this gift 
when it's used, it's used in kind of two primary ways. One would be to urge others to honor God with their choices, to, to live a life of growing obedience to God. So, so maybe, um, you know, there's uh, someone, you know, maybe, she, maybe she's uh, friends uh, with, with another sister in the Lord. Maybe it's in an area of at work or at school, and she's noticing that, that her friend has grown indifferent to spiritual concerns. Maybe there's some way in which she's distracted. Maybe she's actually observing the areas of compromise. And so this, this gift has a special knack for showing her friend the biblical perspective and then showing her friend the need to, to, to turn and walk in a different direction. And so when, 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 when she sees her friend ensnared in a sin, this gift of, of exhortation is kind of stirred up and she, she wants to help her friend. And so someone with this ability is able to confront people, but also able to do it in such a way where there's a winsomeness to it and it helps them to walk with the Lord in a closer way. So that's, that's kind of one way, to honor God with their choices. Another way uh, this gift of exhortation can be used, because it has the idea of encouragement as well, is helping the weak or grieving find grace and assurance in Christ, especially in times of trial. So we, when, when someone is in need of strengthening or, or help or encouragement or, or uplifting or, or, or showing how assurance can be found in Christ, this person with this gift, he or she can then help their brother and sister in that way. And, uh, and how important is that? I mean, you talk about the one another's. We've, we've talked about this many times. But as, as Christians, we're called to walk together and live out the one another's that are displayed in the New Testament. Um, exhortation and encouragement. Wow. That is major. Now, can you imagine people who have those gifts not using them? What happens? What happens if someone who has that gift doesn't use it? Man. I don't know. The, the, the church family suffers. Every part has to be working. I mean... We, have, we end up people walking around more discouraged than they would have been otherwise. Uh, people have that gift and they're not using it. We have people walking around not resting in assurance in Christ in the way that they could if those who had that gift were using it. Uh, or it could be we have brothers and sisters walking around and they're kind of derailed or, or distracted or off the path and no one's corrected them who could have corrected them because they have that gift, but they're not using it. So essentially, without the gift of exhortation and encouragement being used, you end up with a church family that is discouraged, burdened, lacks assurance, uh, and, and, and makes choices on a regular basis that dishonor God. Which, wow, how, how deadly is that for a church family? So for those who have that gift, we need to use it. By the way, whether you have the gift or not, guess what? <laughs> You're called to exhort and encourage one another. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it wild to think about that, that encouragement is something that God calls us to do? I mean, do you, do you make a point of doing that? How often do you see something in a brother or sister's life and you think to yourself, wow, that was really great. Do you say it to them? And if not, why not? I mean, to, to see God work through someone or to see something of the, his hand on their life 
in that way to not make mention of it or say anything about it? The command and, and the call from God is we need to be exhorting and encouraging one another. And so I would just want to encourage you right now, when you see it, when God brings it to mind, when, when he shows you something in a brother or sister's life that's, that's commendable, noteworthy, or good, don't just tuck it away. Say it to them. Let them know. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to be blessing them in a way that you might have no idea. Uh, I, I, you think about that. So often we encounter people we run into people, we see things going on, and we kind of make these snap judgments about where they're at and what's going on. We have no idea where they've come from or what's going on. I mean, back to my example of the guy sitting behind us last night. And that's a, God convicted me later about that. Like, Chris, what are you doing, dude? You're just like that sometimes, number one. Number two, you have no idea about this guy's background. What's he endured? What's happened in his life? What's gone on? What's, what's brought into that place? You know, he, he, he needs... He needs grace, just like you do. <laughs> uh, but with one another in that same way, when you bring that word of encouragement to someone, very likely, very likely, as you do that, you are being used by God as, as sort of a, a uh, kind of a, an oasis in the midst of this massive desert of discouragement. Oftentimes that's the case. So when you see it, don't just tuck it away. When you see something, say it. Encourage. God's going to do mighty things through that as we do that together. Uh, let's go to the next gift because that is the gift of teaching. We find that in Romans 12, 6, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Ephesians 4, 11. This gift is mentioned often in the, in the New Testament. And it, it makes sense that it would because you know what? Jesus in the Gospels is referred to as teacher between 45 and 50 times. That's how Jesus is referred to. In other words, he's, he's never really once called preacher. He's called teacher. Acts mentions teaching or doctrine about 20 times. And in the epistles, there's references around maybe up to 60 times. So this teaching is a big thing, and it consists of an ability to grasp, arrange, and present the truth of God in a way that's effective and organized so that those who receive that truth can understand it and can apply it and use it. And, uh, and it's important. Uh, we're told you know, to, to, to pass on the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And so those who have this gift... Uh, those brothers and sisters, they're able to take God's truth and kind of break it down and make it understandable and convey it in such a way where people can grasp it and go, oh, yeah, I get it, and, 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 and use it. Now, not all of us have this gift, but guess what? All of us are called to teach from time to time in various ways and places. And so we want to be very aware of that as well. Um, who are you teaching right now? You are teaching somebody and it's important to keep in mind that um, as we do so, we're entrusting to them the gospel. Uh, you know, you might think, well, I don't really do that. Well, think of the people in your life. Uh, what are the relationships you have? And now I want you to think of, you know, maybe it's a friendship. Maybe, maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a fellow student. Maybe it's a coworker. But realize this, you do have an impact on their lives. 
And, uh, and, and there are ways in which you are presenting who God is. Not only in the way you act, but also in what you say. All of us need to be discipling others, right? We're training up other people around us to carry out the ministry that we're, we're doing. Uh, that there's an element of, it to, of teaching to that as well. Uh, but again, when Jesus is referred to as teacher, or Rabboni was the term that was used for him. Um, he's, he's showing us that he's the one who came to bring God's truth and to convey it to us that we would grasp it and know it and live it. And, uh, you know, what does Jesus say? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's not knowing for knowing's sake. It's knowing that you may walk with God and, and, and know him more personally. There's a, another sub, kind of related companion gift to teaching and that would be the word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And we find it in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. And, and for some who have studied spiritual gifts before, maybe you're going, well, wait a minute. I thought word of wisdom, word of knowledge would be when someone walks up to you and says, hey, I'm going to tell you something right now. I know that you uh, are thinking about cheating on your spouse with this person, and I'm telling you not to do it. Don't. What? How'd you know that? And it's, you know, it's a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Actually, I think that is more along the lines of, uh, of what prophecy would be, probably, or something else. So this, this uh, phrase here, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, we find it in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. It's actually the, the passage that we, we read through um, and began exploring a few weeks ago. Uh, when you find this list, we find that uh, the way the list works out, uh, prophecy is already listed here in this list, so it's probably not that. In addition, whenever we see teaching referred to, uh, we find that wisdom, the word is sophos in Greek, um, and the word for knowledge, uh, and, and also the word for word itself. All three of those words are often associated with teaching. And, uh, and then a, another thing we would find is in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, if you want to turn there, go ahead. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. Uh, what does Paul say here? He says, brethren, um, he's talking about if I come speaking in tongues, how's it going to profit to you? In other words, he's, he's going back to the idea of you've got to have an interpreter there, and we'll talk about this more later, but you need to have an interpreter or, or it's not going to do you any good because you're not going to understand what's being said. And then notice what he says at the end of verse 6. Unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching... And, and it seems here that what's happening is the way this verse is unfolding, revelation is connected to prophecy. It's sort of a parallelism in, in the passage itself. Revelation is, is related to prophecy and knowledge is related to teaching. It's kind of an A-B-A-B pattern. So what's happening is the consequence or the result of the gift is given first and then the gift is, is stated. So revelation comes from prophecy. Knowledge comes from teaching. And so again, back to the idea of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, it seems to be teaching. So uh, I would see those as being a, a, a connected or a complementary gift or a companion gift to teaching. Um, the next one would be the gift of pastor-teacher. And that is also very similar to teaching, but there is something else that's kind of more broad with this gift. It has the idea of teaching out of a shepherdly concern. And so pastor teaching is, is, uh, is, is something we see in Ephesians 4 
And there, the way it's listed there, it would seem like it's, it's actually an office of sorts associated with the gift itself. Um, but the idea would be, what did Jesus say uh, to, to Peter? He said, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. And that's really the idea. It's, it's instruction of the flock, but it also concerns itself with the various ways in which that instruction pertains to daily living for the flock. So someone who's a pastor teacher, um, for example... I'm hoping I'm engaging with the gift of pastor teacher right now, okay? I don't just want to teach you so that you know. I want us to all learn so that we can walk in a different way. And there's a desire to see each of you grow spiritually. There's a desire that you be fed. There's a desire that our church family together would function in such a way that's glorifying to God. And that can only happen if the gifts that God's given us are fully at at work, and so uh, even, you know, when Paul charges the elders in Ephesus, he gives them the responsibility. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock over which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So a pastor, pastor teacher, elder, overseer, bishop, those are all synonymous terms. Shepherd, those are all synonymous for essentially a pastor. And, and that's what the, when, when, when that's given to a local church, the church is then blessed in that there are shepherds. Usually we would see that plural, that there'd be a multiple pastor teachers, multiple elders for a given local church. And, uh, and certainly we would see that here. Thankfully, you know, Pastor Andrew is there in the back row. Believe me, he's shepherding right now, even as he sits there uh, listening. Um, and we have others here in our church family that, that would also function in that way. Uh, gifted, gifted men who have that heart, that, that desire, those gifts. Um, because let's face it, folks, I couldn't do this by myself. That's crazy. Who would, who would want to? <laughs> that's insane to think that one person could do that. Um, but that's what a pastor teacher would do, uh, shepherding the flock, caring for the sheep. Uh, now we, we come to uh, the, the next section. So those would be the speaking gifts. Now we come to uh, the supporting gifts. And, and these are so, so critical and important. And here's the thing. People use supporting gifts and they think, oh, that means they're not that big of a deal. No, all of them are a big deal. And we'll get into that in a few weeks too. But they're, they're all very, very critical for the health of the church. And the first we would find is the gift of helps. That's found in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, and also in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And, uh, and you know what? Paul knew firsthand what it was like to receive help from those with this gift. Uh, you think of, of the, the special ministries of those like uh, Onesiphorus and Onesimus. Uh, so that's Second Timothy, we reference the first, and Philemon references the second. Uh, but, but these were those who came and cared for him and served him in his time of need. Uh, this gift is one that is, that is a way in which they, the person sees a need And then he or she not only sees the need, but they also see the best way to help that need. And then they are immediately then empowered to just carry that out and make it happen. And and people like this are um, so, so necessary, needed, and, and, and God accomplishes so much through them. And here's the other thing about this kind of gift. It tends to be inconspicuous. It's not someone who's up front. So the person who, who serves in, in, in this way of, of the gift of helps, their motive for doing this is love for other people. They just want people to know that they're loved and they love having that satisfaction of understanding that, that, that the deeds that they do, the things that they carry out, the ways in which they help, though they don't bring the attention of many, 
There are so many that are benefited. And, and, and so uh, this person has the gift of understanding someone's need and how those temporal needs even, or spiritual needs, both of them are met. And there's this unusual skill to then make something happen to care for them. So how do you see it? Well, you see it when people are caring for the needy, uh, when people volunteer for a refuge food pantry, when, when people are decorating or for an event or cooking. Uh, that smell that, again, is coming from downstairs. There are people down there serving right now. That's what they're doing with the gift of helps. It's stepping into to maybe serving in CVC Kids but not as a teacher. You're just there to assist the teacher, right? You want to you wanna make sure that things in the classroom go well. Maybe it's helping with setup or tear down or clean up. In other words, the idea is that there's a need. This person's going to make it happen uh, no matter what. It's, it's seeing your pastor struggle on stage with his voice and walking up and giving him a thing of water. Thank you again. Uh, or or it's, it's uh, finding that someone, you know, who's, who's, got, who's just recently experienced some sort of trauma or trial, and you're there on the doorstep to help them. Um, we have situations right now in our church. I know of, of uh, several people who have found others in need, and they're already caring for them. It happens all the time. For some of them, it's, it's what's happening in their home. They need some adjustments made to their home in order to better live because of some special needs that have come up. And there's someone else already there saying, Pastor, I've heard of this need. I'm on it. I'll keep you posted. And you're like, gift of helps. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. It's amazing. I, I call these people, they're like the multi-purpose back. If you're a football person, they can block. They can go out for a pass. They can run. They can do all kinds of stuff. And it's a beautiful thing to see. So, um, again, if you've got that gift, use it. And, and, and realize, again, what a joy it is to see that in action and what a joy it is to also recognize that as God works through it, he's building up his body. Uh, here's another uh, gift that falls under this, this category of supporting gifts. It's the gift of mercy. We find it in, in Romans 12, uh, verses 6 to 8. And... Uh, and here's the thing with mercy. Some people think the gift of mercy is really the spiritual gift of being nice to people, you know? And that's not what the gift of mercy is. And I've had friends, I know, they've, they've you know, gone through a, an evaluative thing and someone says, I think you have the gift of mercy. They go, you're crazy. I don't. I'm not a nice person. But that's not what this is. No, this gift of mercy is very, very um, sensitive to and aware of helping people who are experiencing some kind of distress or misery or pain or anxiety or something along those lines. And the gift of mercy is a special skill in, in relieving that distress or anxiety and actually being able to come alongside that person in that moment and just have the right thing to say in the right moment, at the right time to care for them through that. Uh, it's the kind of the right actions or the right words at the right time. And it relieves that crisis somewhat for that person. Um, I, I've seen that in action. I've been at memorial services before. And believe me, I've conducted many memorial services too. And I remember one in particular. Um, the, the widow was, was there and, and kind of talking to different people. And people were saying things. And, and, uh, and then this, this, this wonderful uh, woman, she walks up to the widow and she just holds her hand, and she, and by the way, I don't even know what she said. I, I know she's a believer because I've known her for years. I'm not going to mention her by name because she'd be mad at me if I did. But she holds her hand, she looks at her, and she says something 
the countenance on the widow's face was just softened, slight tear, slight smile, and a hug. And I'm kind of like, well, I wonder what she said. (laughs) I don't know. But that's the spirit of God at work through the gift of mercy. So it's seeing someone in distress, seeing someone in in agony or, or in difficulty or under trial, knowing how to come alongside them and having a special skill of relieving or helping them in that. Um, it's a beautiful thing to see. And, and as, as we look at these gifts, and we're going we're gonna to pause here because we have other things to do right now. But I just want you to understand, as these gifts are in play, do we not get a better sense of the supernatural nature of the ordinary Christian life? Again, what was happening with, in Corinth? If you have this spectacular gift, then you're really spiritual. But if you don't have these, well, then you're not that big of a deal. But no, we realize the Holy Spirit is actively at work. I mean, he does this in bringing about spiritual growth on a daily basis, does he not? Uh, we've mentioned this before. You know, when, when someone puts down the remote control and picks up the Bible instead, that's the Holy Spirit at work. Or, or, or when a young man turns away from pornography because he's dead to that sin and he's alive to God in Christ Jesus and he values his walk with Jesus more, that's the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And the Holy Spirit is also active as he works through his spiritual gifts. And he uses all of us for the common good of one another and for the glory of God. And so when someone steps into kids' ministry because there's a need, whether they think they're good with kids or not, that's the gift of helps empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or or, or when someone gives an open ear to listen to someone, to, to give a shoulder to cry on. Maybe it's a brother or sister in pain or grief or disappointment. That that's the gift of mercy given by the Holy Spirit. Or when someone's empowered to trust God through times of trial and they're able to rejoice and see what God's doing in that. That's the gift of faith. We were going to talk about that next, but it's not up there yet. But we'll talk about it next time. But that's what it is. And that's given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, when, when someone's able to... to uh, care for other people in a way and encourage them and to exhort them and to see their need and to use words uh, at that moment in order to either help them to obey God more, to glorify God more, or to receive assurance and comfort more. That's the gift of exhortation given by the Holy Spirit. And so in all of these, we see the spiritual gifts bringing about this understanding that that there's the supernatural nature of the ordinary Christian life that we need to embrace, rejoice in, and live out on a daily basis. So what's your spiritual gift? Well, here's one of the best ways to find out. Surf. (laughs) Go at it. And maybe the first thing you need to be convinced of is that you have one. If you're a believer, if you come to Jesus, you have one. So walk forward and serve him. If, If you are literally someone who comes to church each Sunday, sits in a seat, gets up, walks out and leaves, and that's it, Please know, you are not living the Christian life. We're glad you're here, and that's important. But the reality is, is God's given you a gift or gifts, and you need to use them. And we have plenty to do. So talk to us. Let us know. Talk around. Find out what's going on. Talk to people that you know. Find out ways that you can serve. Don't neglect the gift that you've been given. The reality is this, and someone said this to me this week, and I, I just went, man, I got to hold on to this one. He says this, your spiritual gift given to you for the sake of the body will not be exercised apart from the body. 
You realize that? In other words, your spiritual gift, you can't use it off on your own. The reality is there is no such thing as a Christian life off on your own. Growth is a community project and utilizing the gifts God's given us is a community project. We use the gifts together to glorify God together, to give thanks to him together for his glory. That's what Jesus did when he saved us. He rescued us from God's wrath. He reconciled us to God. He gave us new life. His Holy Spirit dwells within us and that spirit gave each gifts. So let's give thanks to him today and let's glorify him by using them. And let's praise him for what he's gonna accomplish as we do so. Let's pray. Lord, we we ask that you would continue to help us to see these things as we continue this journey in surveying the gifts that you've given to your people. Lord, we ask that you'd be glorified, that we would give you thanks with full hearts and that those uh, who have each gift would be actively pursuing the use of that gift or those gifts for your glory. That you would do mighty things amongst us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.